You are listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Judy Bazzazzaro, editor, Food Insider Journal. Brought to you by Supply Side West, November 6 through 10 in Las Vegas. Hi, and welcome to a Supply Side edition of the Healthy Insider podcast series. I'm Judy Bazzazzaro. I'm the editor of Food Insider Journal and the food and beverage editor at Natural Products Insider. With me on the phone today, I have Jim Tonkin, who is the president and founder of Healthy Brand Builders, where he directs the building and design of national infrastructures for food and beverage industry clients. Jim, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure to be with you, Judy. Great. Um, And for those of you listening, uh, Jim is co-chairing the How to Take Advantage of White Space in the Beverage Sector workshop, taking place on Wednesday, November 7th at Supply Side West in Las Vegas. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about what's trending in the beverage sector, as well as considerations for startups thinking about getting into the beverage game, as well as factors that current brands should keep top of mind when looking to scale up their business. So let's jump right in. Jim, we've spent months putting together a panel of brands that are innovating and disrupting in the beverage sector. Can you talk a little bit about what's going on and what's going to happen in the workshop? Absolutely, Judy. Um, As you remember months ago when we started uh, going through my Rolodex uh, to try to find the right players that um, that could talk in depth and from experience around working in the white space and at the same time, having a a bent towards uh, the attendee population at Supply Side West, meaning that we're using ingredients uh, potentially that that are maybe coming from some of the companies that are exhibiting at the show. So we put together what I think is an all-star panel, including Andy Dratt, who is a friend and and a a maven in the space um, around uh, beverage creation from a flavor perspective. So Andy is going to do a presentation after mine um, uh, on behalf of Imbibe, which is the name of his uh, company that he represents, talking about the difficulties and uh, the machinations of putting together sometimes um, uh, irrefutable and irrepressible uh, ingredients that don't taste good, don't smell good, maybe don't precipitate uh, or blend well in a liquid environment. Um, And that will be very interesting, I think, to the audience. So uh, we're going to take up the first hour between the two of us. And then we're going to move to some really great brands that I was able to capture. And I think you'll see the spectrum of what we're bringing to the plate. The first is um, Jeff Church, who's the CEO of Suja Juice. And I'm assuming that most of your listeners and attendees will be aware of this um, terrific concoction of vegetables that have been cold pressed and then high pressure processed into a beautiful, um, available and convenient product that you can buy almost everywhere in America. Uh, This is a very fast growing product that went from zero to 125 million in three and a half years. And that doesn't happen very often in the beverage space. In addition to Jeff, um, a woman who just came to the industry recently from the healthcare space, coincidentally, whose name is Sherry Coulter Ford. She's the CEO and co-founder of Tohi Ventures. And I think your your listeners as well as the attendees will be really excited about what Sherry's going to talk about. It's an ingredient that's been available in the United States. Um, it's it's focused on and highlighting 
the aronia berry. And some of your listeners may be familiar with aronia. They've been around for hundreds of years, grown mostly in the Midwestern portion of the U.S., but also in places like the U.K. and Poland, et cetera, in, in Europe. Very high in antioxidants, and Sherry's going to give a very comprehensive um, uh, overview for 20 minutes or so on the development and maturation of this product as it comes into a finished form. Next, um, I'm really proud to be able to uh, announce Paolo Hawkins um, uh, kind of sitting on the panel as well. Uh, uh, Paolo is a, is a friend. He worked with, uh, with us when we were developing Zico coconut water. He developed our chocolate flavor, which became one of the most um, uh, exciting, new, innovative flavors in, uh, in the coconut water, if not the beverage business uh, space itself. He's the co-founder of Rebel, uh, R-E-B-B-L, which is a very fast-growing plant-based um, product that I think your, your uh, uh, listeners and attendees will get a, a real charge out of learning about. He developed this from scratch, has a, a super CEO running the company in Cheryl O'Loughlin, and I think you'll, you'll really learn a lot about what plant-based uh, ingredients are all about from Paolo. Uh, two more that, that are rounding out the stage, a gentleman who I've known for many, many years, Brian Lovejoy, um, from days when he was producing kava in Hawaii uh, in drinks, uh, to his role as the uh, coffee expert at Calafia Farms. It's a brand that most people know about relative to almond milk and uh, a lot of their line extensions in cold brew coffee and creamers and other things, all based from nuts. So Brian is an expert in talking about this company now owned and run by Greg Steltonpool, who was the founder of Odwalla. And I'm sure Brian will talk a little bit about how this company evolved. But uh, learning about almonds and learning about the ability to get great protein and, and good um, antioxidant value from nuts uh, is what he's going to talk about. Last but not least is Kyle Redfield. Uh, Kyle is the CEO of a cold brew coffee company and actually coffee bean company as well uh, called Kona Red. Uh, they originated in the, on the big island of Hawaii and uh, now they're headquartered in Carlsbad, California. They have a very, very unique line of great tasting cold brew coffees uh, made with coffee fruit, which is what Buy Brands just sold uh, to Dr. Pepper for a billion seven hundred million dollars, uh, in, including included in their their product was coffee fruit. So Kyle's going to talk about the cold brew coffee space and the innovations around um, the development of his product. I, I think the uh, panel is going to be great. I love the fact that we have so many CPGs willing to share their. Uh, success stories and and some of their journey on the way to success. So um, let's look at the bigger macro picture right now. Um, obviously, the beverage sector is booming, especially for functional beverages. And you mentioned a lot of functional ingredients. Can you discuss some of the trends you're seeing in the industry right now? Sure. Um, I think most people that are in a, a supermarket or a Whole Foods or a Sprouts or uh, or even shopping online today are looking for specific ingredients. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, as, as our culture is getting more oriented towards better health and better for you food, and we're changing our, our eating and drinking habits, um, the days of, of having big CPG companies develop products because they like them and because they're maybe easy to produce, but have very little nutritive value, um, 
put them into the market and and that's what our choice was as an example if you look back into the 60s and 70s when carbonated soft drinks were pretty much all that was available and some sparkling water today we have a plethora of new innovative um, and massively ingredient laden uh, products um, on the market to to uh, give you a few specifics Uh, most people understand the, the basis of plant protein uh, protein has been a very hot item in the last three or four years, and traditionally, prior to just recently, uh, whey protein isolate has been the big protein source in beverages, for instance. Now it's turning to plant proteins to include things like chia seed and um, uh, pea proteins and rice proteins. Uh, it allows um, the, the flavor companies to have a great time at developing some super neat um, flavor profiles to add to this high protein base. And some of these drinks in a, in a 12 or 14 ounce serving can, can put in as much as 18 grams of protein. So that's a very fun area of, of uh, experimentation currently. Other condition specific ingredients that are being delivered in lots of beverages are around things like bone health and joint health, um, brain health, uh, cardiovascular and cholesterol health. And then, of course, a lot of people are very familiar with the gut health process, talking about pre and probiotic health. So, um, and and then in addition to that, lastly, you're you're seeing another complete infusion process happening around botanicals and herbs, which are showing up in all sorts of different products to include things like turmeric and uh, curcumin and lutein and things like that. Um, which have been around a long time as specific ingredients, but now these beverage companies and food companies are really picking up on them. And I think at supply side, you'll find a lot of vendors um, ready and willing to offer their ingredient that are science-driven as well to support these kinds of of new products. Great. Thanks, Jim. Um, Can you give us some examples of trends and brands that took advantage of the white space? Sure. Um, well, one that I worked on personally myself a long time ago, this, this is a, a great example, though. Um, I'm sure that, that uh, most that will be listening to this podcast and, and those that will be in attendance at Supply Side are familiar with Arnold Palmer tea. And, and most everybody has tried one at one point or another, whether they've made it on their kitchen counter or if they're a golfer, they had it at their golf and country club. It's a mixture of um, iced tea or tea, and it can be black tea, white tea, green tea, it doesn't matter, and lemonade. And that concoction was created by the golfer Arnold Palmer, hence the, the name of the, of the brand. Um, most interesting uh, is the, the product was really only available on golf courses for many years. And, and oh, about uh, eight or nine years ago, we decided to make a consistent product that had the right amount of lemonade and the right amount of tea uh, with a few other uh, active ingredients in the product so that the consistency of it is the same every time and also that the uh, the delivery in terms of availability and convenience of the vessel made it uh, available everywhere. So now you can buy that product uh, pretty much uh, anywhere from the vending machine to a supermarket store shelf. But that's one that took advantage of of white space that wasn't filled by the, the the marrying of iced tea and lemonade that was done in a very small environment and made it a macro trend. Um, another one that came to mind is around the coconut water business. Um, back in 2003, uh, I would venture to say that most Americans didn't know much about coconut water. 
Uh, for those that have traveled outside the U.S. and particularly around the equator countries uh, in the world, coconuts are a daily consumable. Um, if you think about the old days when you, you picked a, a coconut, you whacked the top off, and you stick a, a straw in it, and you just consume that wonderful green coconut water um, that, that's in there. It's, it's an amazing, satiating flavor profile, uh, divisive as it is, because about 50% of the population doesn't actually like coconut. They won't drink, drink coconut. They don't want coconut cream pie or coconut shavings or, or coconut milkshake or anything else. So uh, I think the industry is surprised in and of itself by bringing coconut water to the plate, how big it actually became. And it, it really became big because of the intrinsic benefits in the coconut. So as health and wellness, again, takes center stage, getting 670 milligrams of potassium from a single 11 ounce Tetra brick box of pure coconut water is an amazing thing. And it's wonderful for muscle recovery. Um, lots of women, particularly that were doing Bikram yoga back in the mid 2000s, um, uh, we're, we're getting uh, all this potassium, which helped with muscle cramping after their, their yoga. So that's kind of a, a unique use of a product in one genre that found white space in another area and created a product to fill it. I think um, lastly, I, I might uh, bring up the, um, the cleansing space as an example. And I know lots of people have used um, a cleansing agents that you find, and I don't mean the type in your kitchen, I'm talking about those that are that cleanse your colon and your bowels and your lower and, and upper intestine uh, by in, in, you know, ingesting this product. And I think that's what the original founders of Blueprint Cleanse, uh, for instance, were after when the two uh, housewives in, in New York City created that product. They were looking at dieting and ways to, to cleanse from get sugar and other things out of their body and they created these vegetable concoctions which Evolution Fresh followed with and then lastly the Suja Juice uh, company uh, started to do as well. So um, trying to get rid of that mess that's created on your counter at home um, by, by buying all these crazy ingredients, throwing them into a blender which after six months of use you have to throw away and buy another one. They created this available and convenient mechanism of getting a, a ready to drink either a cleanse or a, an HPP style, um, a great tasting line of, uh, of, of mashed up or cold pressed um, uh, vegetables and therefore all the benefits of, of, of eating vegetables. So that's another, another uh, kind of white space plug, if you will, uh, going from countertop to supermarket. Three great examples of trends. So let's say, scenario here, if I'm a startup company looking to get into the beverage business, what considerations should I have top of mind going into it? That is a great question. And in our practice, we address these uh, kind of questions regularly and, and clearly upfront when we take on a new client. Um, what I would say is um, do your homework. Do your homework first. Uh, what that means is you can't go into a business blind or, or just having a small amount of data. You need to be voracious about understanding the the market in which you're attempting to play. You want to you want to buy or steal or find as much data on the competitive landscape, for instance, on um, the the market itself. You know where does the product sell? 
what's the availability to get product once you produce it onto a store shelf or onto Amazon's um, uh, you know, website. Uh, how do you do those things? And, and of course, if you're trailblazing in the white space, uh, for example, you, you really have to know your consumer. And lots of data around consumer preferences is out in the market. There's many companies like Euromonitor and Mintel and Penton and others um, that do lots of work in this space and develop um, you know, a product uh, verification and consumer acceptance um, uh, data decks that I suggest every client um, save uh, to beg, borrow, and steal and bring into their business plan and strategy. And, um, and so understanding your product and the product act attributes will help you to sell it appropriately. Um, and then probably last uh, is, is to understand the relevance of your product. So I, I always question um, clients and brands that I meet, whether they're a client or not, um, what's the relevance of your product? Is there a perceived value in the market uh, in deference to a, a need state that's been identified and you are the antidote? Uh, and I think it's important to understand that. The reason is that that I think um, the cost to produce a product, all of the selling economics that you have to go through, uh, the marketing and sales messaging that you have to develop, the financial management side of your business, you need to understand. If you're going to do all those things, um, you got to know that it's not just marketing hyperbole that's selling your product. There has to be a reason to believe. Um, I happen to be a big science guy, so I really like putting science into product as well which is why I love going to supply side uh, every year because I learn so much. Excellent advice. So let's say I'm a brand, I've established my product, it's on the shelf in the, in the stores, but it's time for me to grow my sales. It's not always as easy as it sounds. Do you have any insight into creating a roadmap for growth? Sure. Uh, you know, again, this is one of the things that I've been telling clients for 32 years in consulting. There are no shortcuts. Um, you know, we as humans, we tend to try to find the easiest routing to, to make things happen. And sometimes that's an okay road to travel. But quite frankly, consumers are very complex people. Um, and the throughput mechanisms in order to get from the ideation uh, uh, mindset of a visionary of somebody that created something all the way through to the consumer in the end takes a great deal of thought. So the template for success, in my view, has to be built before the company launches. You need to know where you're going or there's no way you'll get there and, and more so you won't know when you get there. So I'm suggesting that you develop um, you know, a critical scorecard for yourself. And I use that term, I use it in, in our business as well. It monitors your internal success measurement, if you will. And, and that can be done on a regular basis, monthly, quarterly, yearly. You can measure employees, including the CEO and others in top management and incentivize them that way if they're making good decisions. Um, but all of those things are important to understand in order to be accountable for the activity in the business and to be nimble and flexible enough when you're small to change based on market conditions and consumer feedback and the like. So in order to, to make sure that you're selling correctly, you have the right messaging on your product, you, you need to employ that. Uh, process I spoke about in an earlier question um, uh, around data and make sure that you're getting as much data as you can to, to uh, confirm you're on the right track and your product is resonating. Lastly, I think about the business plan, Judy. Um, the business plan that you typically had to write in order to raise capital in the beginning should be your roadmap at the beginning and at the end. 
And what I find oftentimes um, are, is that people do not go back and revisit their business plan. And, and so the vision and the mission of the brand oftentimes changes a great deal. And I don't think that's a very good thing, frankly. Um, I think you should, if, if you were able to get funded and bring people to the table and, and get people excited about what you're doing, you should stick with that um, to the end and, and prove that your vision was, was right. So uh, I, I guess, you know, in short, I would say stay on the freeway. Let me just use a visual. Stay on the freeway until you know it's time to get off and your exit is marked well, you know, and, and try to, to stay in that main, main stage. Um, so that you're you're attracting as as the largest uh, popular population that you can in uh, in in accepting your product. Obviously, that's going to grow your top line, which is going to what uh, be what eventually gets you to an exit or, or a liquidity event. In deference to being in a narrow, less uh, uh, almost myopically focused uh, channel. So uh, th that's how I would answer that question. No shortcuts. Well, nothing's ever easy. So this is just a glimpse into the types of topics Jim and our panelists will be talking about at Supply Side West. Do you have anything else you'd like to add before we wrap this up? Sure. Um, obviously, I'm really excited um, that you called and, and, and uh, gave me this opportunity to help you put together the panel. Uh, having pre presented many times at Supply Side and have brought a lot of fun people um, to the attendee uh, uh, soiree that, that we put together um, at Supply Side in the past. I, I'm looking with um, great anticipation to, to this particular panel. I think it could be the best we've ever done. Um, they'll hear directly from what I call the trench warfare players. So these are people that um, have been there, done that. Uh, they, they all started small and they're, they're, they're all growing and some are at different levels than others and they'll explain that. But you'll learn how these novel ingredients, particularly that heretofore have not been available in food and beverage brands, can help to separate your brand from others and how they may be um, really on trend today as well. Uh, in addition, how science can be a part uh, of leveraging your brand to succeed. Uh, and I say against marketing hyperbole, which I'm, I'm not completely against, but I, I think of it as a secondary platform on which science can live. Um, and so it'll also, in the end, give uh, all the attendees a chance to, uh, to chat with the presenters after the session. And I think that's also where lots of fun things happen. Business cards get exchanged and, and people end up going to the show floor and new ideas are, are spawned. And that's hopefully what we're able to bring um, to this panel. So don't miss this you know, engaging and insightful gathering uh, that we put together. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jim, for joining us today. And I look forward to hearing you speak on the How to Take Advantage of White Space in the Beverage Sector workshop at Supply Side West next month. And uh, that's only, what, five, five weeks away? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So safe travels, and I will see you in Vegas. Same to you, Judy. Thanks a bunch. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. To join the conversation about the supplement industry, leave a comment on the podcast's Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud accounts. This episode has been brought to you by Supply Side West, November 6th through 10 in Las Vegas.